Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by FrameBridge. They make it super easy and affordable to custom frame everything from art prints and textiles to the photos on your phone right now, all without ever leaving your house. Plus, you can take 15% off your order with code YHL15 at framebridge.com. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today, we're looking at how experts think the pandemic might change our homes and floor plans in long-lasting ways, plus updates on our moving plans and why John tried to involve an astrologer in our relocation. Current status of the Petersick family is the same as last week. We are still in Richmond. Our pod is still in Florida. But at least now we are just hopefully days away from making our move. We actually have like a target date. Yes. Last we heard from the contractor, which was just this morning, it is probably going to be Thursday, Friday, or Saturday of this week. So we just have a few more days here as you hear this. We're going to be packing everything in the car. John's going to do his Tetrising. Yep. We're going to be like cleaning this house and making sure it's ready for the handoff for the new owners. And I just think that there is going to be a lot of moving pieces, but it's very exciting after so long having this amorphous, like maybe next week, maybe next week, we finally have like a very small window of time in which we believe wholeheartedly that we are going to move to Florida within that window. Yes, as the target date approaches and there's fewer days in between for something to pop up and go wrong, it feels like we can finally be pretty confident about that move date. Yeah, I'm really excited. We're all very excited. This family is ready to go. We have like packed up. We're just waiting by the phone. Yeah, it has not been bad living here without our stuff, but I am still ready to like move on to the next thing. It feels a little bit like purgatory at the moment. Right. Well, I was going to say, I still think it's insane. So we're going on three weeks here, three solid weeks of 99% of our worldly possessions being gone. The pod went ahead of us. We packed it with all of our stuff. Yes. But like we've said, we do have beds. We have our computers. We have TVs. So we have some things to keep us comfortable that are staying here. But of the things that are coming with us to Florida, we don't have most of them. Yes. So I racked my brain last week when I told you the two things I missed, which if you remember, they were, I really missed my cutting board. I didn't realize how much I used that. And I missed the actual act of having an organizer in the junk drawer so I could pull open the drawer and just grab whatever I needed. Now we have some like junk drawer things in a Ziploc bag, but I'm like digging through it and it's annoying and not as easy to grab stuff. So when we sat down today to do this update, what else do I miss? I like couldn't think of anything, which is so crazy because... When I sent off 99% of our things in the pod, I thought every day there'd be 10 frustrating moments. Like I think anyone, whether you're looking to minimize and simplify or not, would go into this experiment and think this is going to be highly uncomfortable, right? Like you'd think this would be really grating. I did think of one thing when I racked my brain that I miss on top of the other two. And it is my air purifiers because I thought my allergies were over and then was very clear to me that they were not over at all because once the air purifiers were in the pod... I was like, oh gosh, I am so sick all of a sudden. Oh my gosh, I missed my air purifiers. Get them out. They were already like way too deep in the pot. No, they were not coming back out. I'll link my air purifiers because I know you guys are going to ask. They are the best. I actually bought a more expensive one from a very fancy brand that looks beautiful and it did nothing. And I was mad and I sent it back and I got my money back. And then I took on the role of John. 
I was a, what's the opposite of satisficer? Maximizer. Oh, I was a maximizer. Remember we learned that John's usually the maximizer. He does all this research. He's so worried about what he's buying. Meanwhile, I'm like, this is good enough and I just buy something. So I did all this research and like perused consumer reports and read like a Reddit thread. Like I went down the rabbit hole. That was very John of you. It was so John of me. And I ordered the most well-rated one I could find. Guys, I am obsessed with it. If you or someone in your family has allergies, it is insane how if you turn this off for a day, you feel like garbage. And then you are reminded how much it's doing because you turn it back on and you feel fine. So I will link it in the show notes. That is my public service to you. Now you can be a satisficer like me and just get it because I'm telling you it is the best. And I will not reveal the one I didn't like, but it is very designery. It has a beautiful leather handle. You may have seen it advertised to you on Instagram, which is usually when I am a satisficer and I just take whatever's put in front of my slides. <laughs> yeah, John does love an Instagram ad. But guys, it looked beautiful, did not a dang thing. I know the thing I'm missing. What? Our printer. Oh, yeah. That was very practical with like the distance learning. We were yeah. using it a lot. That is for sure. Yeah. And I felt like a dummy because to cancel our trash service here, I was told I needed to mail a letter. Like I could not email or over the phone cancel our trash service. They said I had to do like an actual letter. And I said, well, I don't have a printer to print out a letter. And they said, sir, you can handwrite it. <laughs> and I was like, that was my thought too. Did you not think of that? Completely escaped me that that was a possibility. <laughs> John forgot about letters by hand. Yes. <laughs> So I miss my printer. Well, I keep thinking, just email them, but they will not accept will an not. email. It has to be snail mail. That's why I called back. I said, you know what? You told me to send a letter, but I don't have a printer. I would like an exception. And they're like, sir, the exception is to use your hand. <laughs> and I, I sort of had to take my attitude down a notch. <laughs> you were like, I will have to dig through my papers to find a blank one that I can write a letter on because we don't even have like normal blank paper anymore that children have drawn on every single piece of paper we have in this house. I did keep envelopes, so I was proud of myself for remembering to stash some of those. So I was able to send a letter. Thank you very much. But I was going to say one other thing about our stuff because I do feel like this whole experience has been like a crash course in testing our relationship with our things. And I noticed that a little bit after we posted those house tour videos a couple weeks ago because, you know, on the blog, we did that final house tour video of this house all decorated and finished. And then we did a second video after we'd packed everything up and sent it away in the pod where you could see what we had sold to the new owners, like what was left behind. And some people were sad to see some of the items. Like I was, I think, surprised at how nostalgic others were for some of the furniture that we weren't able to take. Sherry and I've already kind of processed that already, so I was surprised to hear it that day. I guess I was surprised people cared as much as they did. It was I know. I thought we were the only ones who cared about our stuff. Yeah, but it was sweet. Yeah, it was sweet. And when I was writing the post, what I was trying to express was like, we're moving to a house that's less than half the size. I love everything in this house. Yeah. So if the only lens was, I'm just going to bring everything I love, I'd bring everything in the house and I'd have two times as much stuff as I need in Florida. Yeah, and exactly. that is frustrating. Like it is annoying to have a house packed with things when you're trying to minimize and downsize. That's your nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we're people who put a lot of thought into the things that we bring into our home and a lot of the things that we own have a story behind them, whether it's the story of how we got them, when we got them, or how we altered them through a DIY or something. And so- if everything has a story, we're ultimately going to be leaving some things that have an important story to us or sort of a emotional or sentimental attachment. Like an example I will give is in our bedroom, we have a leaning mirror, a tall like floor mirror that I bought Sherry as my wedding gift to her. So like I surprised her with it on our wedding day. It was like the mirror that she got ready in in her wedding dress. And so that was a sentimental moment, an important milestone in our relationship and in our life. 
And that mirror kind of marks that a little bit. And so we do have an attachment to it beyond just the function of it being a mirror. Right. But so many of you were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're leaving the wedding mirror. Yeah. And my joke was like, you know, we both looked at it as we did every single piece in our house. And we said like, is it our favorite? Do we want to bring it? Do we have a spot for it? And my joke is, I'm glad we're more attached to our marriage, but neither of us were very attached to the mirror. Like we both said, no, we don't need that. Guys, we took a long, hard look in the mirror. <laughs> you know, I like to say that on this podcast. Yeah. No, we we did look at the mirror. And I think because we were juggling all these things that all had sentimental meaning to us, we were able to evaluate the things a bit more functionally, I guess. And when we stacked that mirror up to the mirror we recently put in our master closet, we both agreed we liked the master closet mirror better. So if we were to have one mirror it would be that master closet one. Because like you said, we like our marriage more than we like that mirror. And we have lots of other mementos or things that can help us remind us of our wedding day. You know, we've got photos, albums, we've got some framed pictures of photo strips we took that day. You still have your wedding dress. So it's not like we're shedding every moment from that wedding. Right, we have photos of me looking at myself in the wedding mirror. So I don't have to keep the big wedding mirror for the memory. I have the picture of me in the wedding mirror. We wear our wedding rings every day. Like we have so many other things that also represent that day that it was like, we don't have to keep every single thing that represents that day. Well, and I think we just acknowledge that there's a lot about this move that involves trade-offs, but we're willing to accept them for the bigger payoff. Like, yes, I won't have this mirror from my wedding, but I'm going to be able to walk to the beach and to shops and restaurants. I mean, maybe not right now, but those things will be waiting for us once social distancing is done. Right. Our kids' bedrooms may not be as big as they are now, but they're going to have a pool in their backyard eventually. Right. Yeah, I think there's lots of things we've been thinking about. I won't have a big, wonderful pantry, but I can walk or golf cart to the grocery store. Like, there are just things about this life that we think it's worth the trade-off. Another example, we're not going to have a dedicated laundry room. We're just going to have a laundry nook. But I'm going to have, like, so many more months of warm, which is my favorite thing, and a hot tub I can go in year-round. So I think those are some of the things that at least we've been thinking through that have made us come to terms with not being able to bring all of the objects that mean something to us because we know that the the net of this whole experience will be a gain. Yeah, I think it's like experiences over things is the goal and we're still going to have beautiful things in the house, but it's not about like amassing as many of the things as we can. I think we're aiming more for like amassing experiences and adventure, all that stuff. Yeah, we may never even unpack the pod. (laughs) I can see us getting a lot of stuff out of the pod and being like, there was too much stuff in the pod. I'll get my printer out and call it a day. The funny thing is if you told me, name 100 things in the pod, I could not name 100 things in the pod. Like I know all of my worldly possessions are in the pod and I can name the big furniture items. I will name them. One through 99 vases. (laughs) There are not that many vases. 100 printer. Um, Well, last week, Sherry chose the option of doing a game instead of can we just talk about. So this week, we're going to do a segment we call Can We Just Talk About? Once again, I've kept Sherry in the dark about this, but can we just talk about astrocartography? Is that maps of stars? Um, Astro as in astrology. Uh Uh-huh. Cartography as in map making. Because I found an article in the New York Times by a writer named Priyanka Matu entitled, Where Should a Scorpio Live? It caught my eye because I'm a Scorpio. (laughs) Uh, John is the least Scorpio who ever Scorpioed, by the way. Well, it says, where should a Scorpio live? Ask an astrocartographer. I didn't know what that was. 
But this author tracked down a woman who dabbles in astrocartography, and she, I guess, is like a, I'm not good with these things, but a astrologer, not a psychic, or a medium. I know those are all very distinct things, but they're kind of one mushy thing in my brain. But, She's something woo-woo, which I love, and John questions. Yes, but I was curious about this, and so... I guess this woman uses the stars and Venus and various (laughs) things to chart like on a literal map where your various lines and moon phases and I don't know, guys, I'm really out of my element here. But she uses it to on a physical map say these are the places where you should be. Did she say Northwest Florida? No. Well, she does astrocartography readings. Oh, should we get one? Okay, well, so I I Did you already get one? I'd be so jealous. I'd be like, do you mind? I didn't. I But I found this article like back in like January and I thought this could be a good birthday gift for you. This was before we even like had the Florida thing on the table. And then once <gasps> the Florida discussion happened, I was like, well, maybe we shouldn't know because if it doesn't say Florida, that'd be. Oh, I would have loved it though. Well, so I tried. Remember when you got me a dog psychic for my birthday? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's back up here for a second. We know Sherry <laughs> likes the woo-woo, right? I love like someone telling me what's going to happen and I love getting lost in the idea that like, ooh, I'm going to uncover some mystery. Like I'm unlocking some future thing that's going to happen. It's also why I like crystals. Right. (laughs) So years ago, I mean, this was probably, I don't know if it was pre-blog. It was post-marriage. I think Burger was really young still. Like it was like Burger was two. And so now Burger's 13. So it's probably like over a decade ago. Yeah. I got for Sherry's birthday or something, a pet psychic reading because I read a newspaper article about a local (laughs) pet psychic. And he gave me like no notice. Like the doorbell just rang and there were these two people on the porch like a woman with her husband she brought her husband to yeah. the reading she was the psychic yes and she sat with burger and <laughs> i mean I, it was malarkey <laughs> i wanted to believe she was like he misses you when you're at work i was like i work from home with yeah. him on my lap yeah he enjoys spending time with you like it kind of for me just reinforced some of the things that make me skeptical of it in which it was like <laughs> saying the kind of generic things that anyone would say about it. But it was a fun experience. It's a good story. Yeah, I was really proud of John for coming up with like the most unique thing anyone's ever given me. So even though it was totally not accurate, no. I enjoyed the experience. We learned nothing about burger psyche <laughs> from it. Um, I also one year gave her tickets to see the Long Island Medium live. Guys, that was so fun because I wanted to know if she was real. Like I needed to know... Do you guys want to know how she does it? Of course they do. This is my experience. I will not speak for everyone, but my experience was she pointed to a general area. She'd be like, you in the back. It was 300 people in the back that she was pointing to. And she'd say, someone, someone just lost someone of a heart attack. So it was like odds. Well, especially because in this scenario, like it's a big theater, like people are really excited to be selected to have a reading because a lot of the people, especially I think the people who paid for the tickets up front because we were like in the- We were in the nosebleeds, guys. (laughs) Yes. I think there was one row behind us and it was like, you know, the third balcony up. It was like I was getting fear of heights up there. Um, But the people were really coming with the hopes that they would get a reading from this medium and they could connect with a loved one. And so it was, you know, it still was an interesting experience to witness because people really, I think, were helped by it when they had a chance to talk to her, whether it was real or not, just like feeling like they had this connection for a moment. So someone was very, what I'm saying is like, was very excited to find themselves in whatever description she was giving. Right. The audience wanted to make her description work for them. I will say that there were some moments that were amazing. Like she would say, you found a note and there was something red on the envelope. And like the person would like break down and be like, yes, we were packing up their house and we found a note. And there was a red ink stain 
stamp on it. You know, and you were like, <gasps> like the audience collectively yeah. would gasp. But then there were other like dead ends. There were a lot of misses. I will not say that it was not real. I will say there were moments that were stunning. But there were also moments where I was like, she's not reading the right person or yeah. the wrong person stood up. So whatever was going on. Yeah. The other thing I will say that was funny is a lot of the shtick was like almost like a housewife's shtick where she like had her she's hair very done. Funny. She was very funny. She'd be like, oh, these heels, guys. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, like her husband would come out and we would cheer for her husband. And it, it was like very much sort of a bravo celebrity plus a reading. Like it was it was an interesting atmosphere. She's a TLC celebrity. Yeah, whatever that is. It was funny, though. Yeah. So that's why when I read about this astro photographer. Oh, and, I'm so sad you didn't do it. Well, this is why I didn't do it. I tried, Sherry. I you tried. Did? So the woman's name is listed in the article. Uh-huh. Her name is Patty Carlson. I Googled Patty Carlson. Okay. Could not find her. They even say what state she lives in. Nothing was coming up. And you're pretty good at Google usually. I am. And so then I tried DMing the writer on Twitter because oh, I found the really writer. Tried. But she, I don't know if she got my DMs because she wasn't following me, but I followed her. Like, you know, it was a misconnection. So yeah. maybe if Patty Carlson or Priyanka Matu hears this podcast episode, she could put us in touch. Oh, I can still redeem my birthday gift late? If you want to know now, because what if it doesn't say Florida? I know it's going to say somewhere hot. That is my destiny. I am the hot burning shower hot tub mother of dragons. I know it's my destiny. If she doesn't <laughs> say Florida, she's going to say like Costa Rica or Puerto Rico, all places we've been and loved. It is somewhere burning hot and Florida is the closest we can get without leaving the states. Like Florida feels like a good way to get hot without going so far from everyone we love. Well, I'll put in the show notes a link to the article because the author did go through the process with Miss Carlson. Ooh, I want to hear this. And it is something that is a global map. So she said her results were everywhere from Los Angeles, where is actually where she lives. So she was like, good, it verifies that I should be in Los Angeles. Also said Seattle, but then it said things like Stockholm, Ooh. the Costa Brava of Spain. See, know. we could use it for vacations too. Maybe. She could move to southern Switzerland. So like it does paint a very broad picture of where all these lines intersect over the globe. It's a little Long Island medium where she hits a bunch of points and you're like, that's right. That one is right. Right. <laughs> Someone listening. Everybody mass DM these people. I even searched for other astrocartographers and couldn't find one. It's so strange to be written up in the New York Times and be so hard to find. Apparently she does it on the side. Like it's not her full-time gig. Maybe it's part of the mystery like, um, what's that Dawson's Creek we're watching now? Oh, oh, Outer Banks. Outer Banks. This is a side note, guys. Outer Banks, they're on a treasure hunt. Feels like looking for an astrocartographer to me. It's on Netflix. John's not so into it. I feel like it's just like a Dawson's Creek, so I'm into it. And there's a friend who looks just like Devin Sawa if you grew up like me in love with Devin Sawa it's a nice walk down memory lane or if you grew up like me and have seen every Final Destination film it's like that too he's in that that guy is? no Devin Sawa oh oh oh, oh. I thought you meant this kid I'm like was he a baby in it? (laughs) (laughs) he was the baby in Final Destination 5 Well, now that we've talked about that very important article, there's another article we wanted to talk about today that actually a lot of you guys sent to us for a a podcast discussion. So here it goes. Um, It's from Apartment Therapy, and it is entitled, How Coronavirus Will Change the Way We Build Homes. I was immediately like, whoo, what's it going to say? Because I've been sent this as well. I hope this is not a quiz. I'm not ruining it. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, I guess Apartment Therapy talked to nine architects for their predictions about how this pandemic and the lockdowns and the quarantining might 
affect how we build our homes moving forward. Because, you know, a lot of us are spending a lot more time in our houses and thinking about the functions of a house in terms of cleanliness and health and protection in ways that we might not have really considered before, because this is new to everyone. Yeah. I also just like the concept that we're spending more time in our homes and therefore are thinking of ways that we can make our homes serve us better. Yeah. Not only from a like fear or virus standpoint, but from a like, maybe I should have a better system for this so it's not always on the floor. How can I make my living room serve our family better? How can I make our dining room more comfortable? How can I make a home office that I enjoy being in? Yeah. And so from that slant, I love the idea of maybe pushing our spaces to work harder for us because we're staring at our spaces. We're all at home. So we're not going to go through all nine of them today, but I'll put in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast a link to the article. So if you want to read the full thing and dive into it deeper, you can. But here are some of the ones that stuck out to me. The first one was entryways and mudrooms will take center stage. And they're basically saying that not that mudrooms haven't been a big deal in new construction lately, but the function of them as kind of a transition space when you come from the outside to the inside will be of greater importance to us, both functionally to like actually, you know, put things down and shed the things that we were wearing outside, but also sort of psychologically as a place that we transition from the outside world to our sort of inner safe home space. Yes, I remember way back when we did those episodes about global design norms. Do you remember this? There was something, I think it was in Japan, that it is very normal to have a room that you literally like shed everything from the outside world. Like not only shoes, but you also might like put on a house outfit. Like mentally, I kind of like the idea of like house clothes and my house shoes or my house slippers. And I think someone else mentioned they even offer slippers to guests. So like everyone comes they all take their shoes off, but you give them something like soft to put their feet in, which I think is like yeah. very accommodating. Yeah, I also agreed with this one because I think we've been feeling this as well. They say open concept floor plans will fall off the radar. We've been saying this for a while, and I feel like, yes, the super open spaces are coming to a head. I don't know if you guys remember, but even like a year and a half ago, one of our friends here in Richmond has one of those like double height living rooms where you could like lean over a railing from upstairs and like shout down to the people in the living room. And they paid to turn it into a second room upstairs. Like they closed off the double height because they said the sound carried. It wasn't an efficient use of space. They were heating and cooling the ceiling, basically. And so I've been seeing it. I've been watching us sort of move back towards less totally open. Yeah, I think we like visually the distinction between spaces and also helps you define the functions of them. But I think they're saying in this instance, it's also because people are suddenly at home together a lot more. People are working from home. They're doing their schoolwork from home. So having like a room that you can close the door to so you're not all trying to cram on the kitchen island at once is a helpful layout. Yeah, like when you're trying to get something done from work, you don't want your kid's video game right next to you or the TV blaring right next to you. Yeah. It's almost like people who have a big basement where their kids can go be loud and play baseball. (laughs) You know, bull ride. (laughs) They can go surfing or whatever. You won't have to hear any of the waves. My brain said video games, but my mouth said baseball. (laughs) Such a surprise. Well, and if you don't have a basement big enough to play ping pong, based on this article, there might be another room in your house where you could put a ping pong table because according to these experts... They expect that moving forward, master bedrooms will be getting bigger. No. You know, in our experience... Did you hear how deflated I was? Yeah. My whole body went... Well, 
you know, we have said that our master bedroom is bigger than we need. Yes, I never want to tell anyone how to live, but I have heard from so many others who are like, I would much rather have the extra room in my big bedroom to go towards like more space in my kid's room or a foyer or a mudroom. Like there are other functional uses. And it seems like from the people I'm hearing from, people are not using the sitting area in their bedroom very much. Right. But looking at it through the lens of coronavirus and some of the things that we've had to take into account now, and we might in the future, who knows, they're saying having a big bedroom where if you have to isolate from your family because you're not feeling well, having a space that might have a seating area where you could also continue to work and have its own bathroom attached to it and things where you could basically function in an isolated part of your house might be more important to us now than it used to be. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I just remember reading the article, guys, and being like, nobody really went out on a limb. Like, I wanted some designer to Jetsons this up, to be like, there's going to be a button you push and a sneeze guard comes up. (laughs) But nobody did that. Everyone was like, well, we're going to be embracing bigger bathrooms. I'm like, doy. It's funny you say you wish there was a button you could touch because one of the things is that touchless technology will no longer be a luxury. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we all have become a lot more sensitive, or at least I can speak for myself. I've become a lot more sensitive about where my hands are going. That sounds terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't say what I'm touching. That sounds bad, too. You know what I mean. (laughs) We're all grabbing our kitchen all over. We're grabbing the fridge. We're grabbing the door to open the pull-out trash can. Like... If you retrace how many things you have to touch in any given room, it's a thousand. And we're all noticing that right now. Yeah. And so like things that I will admit to laughing at before, like a voice activated faucet, which sounds like, okay, Jetsons. Okay. Yeah. I mean, now that doesn't sound so bad because it's like when you come in to wash your hands for the umpteenth time that day, like it'd be nice not to have to touch the faucet. I think I would like different settings. Like I'd want to be like hand wash mode. Or you could say hand wash mode and it would like stay on for two happy birthdays or whatever. Yeah. Yes, wouldn't that be smart? So I think it squirts a little soap out, just flies towards you. You have to right. catch it. Right. It not only enhances your cleanliness, but it makes you have better hand-eye coordination. It's a game as well. <laughs> but also, I think about those cars now, where like you can wave your foot under the back, and like the trunk opens up without having to do something. That I sounds, wanted that. That sounds like a nice luxury about now, and so you could definitely see. The argument being made for incorporating those things more into your house. And when I get advertised one, I'm not going to laugh at it as much as I might have. No, you're going to buy it on Instagram one of these days. I know you. Yeah. Oh, and I like this one. They phrase it as outdoor living space will reign supreme. Yes. But you guys know we are all about the new outdoor living space, which we feel like will really make our house, which is much smaller than our current house, feel like it has all these extra rooms we didn't have. Like it feels like we're gaining so much in the outdoor spaces. Well, but we're not short on outdoor spaces here in this house. We've got a large lot. We've got lots of grass and a driveway that we have been taking full advantage of during this time to get outside and not feel so cooped up. But I think they're talking more to more urban places or dense places where people may not have an outdoor space. Like I think one of the architects they talked to is based in L.A. And they're saying, you know, when you have a small lot that you're building on and you have the decision to either build a house on the full lot and maximize the indoor spaces, people now might prioritize carving out a little spot for a backyard patio or a playset or things that they otherwise would have relied on a public space for. you know. Oh, that's really interesting. You know, I can get out and go to the public park. Well, yeah. we're now in a place where that isn't an option. And so having a private one in your space might be a higher priority than having the garage or the shed or the extra bedroom. Yeah, I have been thinking throughout this. So John and I met in New York City. You guys know that. One of my famous apartments that was so small I could only put a bed in famous. it. Famous? 
famous. <laughs> well, not famous. It's just, it's notoriously small. Everyone who visited was like, wow, this is all that you have? It was like a bed, a TV, a tiny little like four cabinet kitchen and a little bathroom. It was a studio, but you had no outdoor space, nor did you have any other private space to go to. Well, I was going to say, I didn't even have an outdoor view because one window had the air conditioner unit in it. So I like literally could not even see out. It was a um, fire escape. So I would have seen a fire escape. But the other window was covered by a wall. It was truly like an architectural wonder where there used to be a window, but they needed to put like the kitchen and the bathroom there. And so they just literally like drywalled over the window. So there was not even a view of the outdoor world. And I know, I mean, John's sister lives in New York right now with three kids and it's hard and she's trying to get out to green spaces with them safely, but it's not the same as having like a big yard. So I totally see how people, when they're building something new or planning how to use a lot, I actually have all the predictions. I think this one could carry on the longest for people. Like they might like that even when the public parks are open again and the beaches are open again and all this stuff. Yeah. So again, I'll put a link to the whole article in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. But next up, we are going to get into we're digging. We are digging books for the first time in a while. Both of us have had a hard time concentrating on reading an actual book these last few weeks. My mind just can't focus on it. And I end up just going back to my phone. But I finally finished a book and I'm digging it. But first, we have to take a quick break. I know someone out there listening has at least one digital photo or art print or like old Polaroid that they've been meaning to frame and hang on their wall. So let's talk about how this week's sponsor, FrameBridge, can make it super easy to check that off your list. Yeah, we've actually used FrameBridge multiple times over the years. John once surprised me with a framed picture of our kiddos for Mother's Day a few years ago. I framed four before photos of our beach house to hang up in the finished space. That was a surprise to John. Apparently, we like to surprise each other with framed things. But every time we order them, we're like, how is this so easy? Yeah, the gist is that you just go to framebridge.com, upload your photo, and then pick the size, frame, and matte style you want. There's tons of options to choose from, like they've got simple black or white ones. They also have lots of metal or wood style frames. Then FrameBridge does the rest. Like they print the photo to size, frame it, matte it. They even seal the back with that fancy brown craft paper to keep the dust out. It's like a truly custom framing experience without ever having to leave your house. Yeah, they can frame things you already have printed too. Like if you have an art print you want to frame more nicely or like a pretty textile, like a scarf or a tea towel, that you think would make great art, FrameBridge will send you a package so you can safely mail it to them to be framed. Yep, and pricing starts at just $39 and everything ships free. Plus, our listeners can take 15% off their first FrameBridge order using the code YHL15. So just head over to FrameBridge.com to get started and don't forget that code YHL15 to get that 15% off when you check out. So this book appeared out of nowhere. I was packing up a few weeks ago and I found it in a drawer. I must have bought it or got it at the Little Free Library or something a while ago and started to read it and totally forgot I owned it. But man, was it a gift at this time because I had read every other book in this house already and I needed something new to read. And there it was waiting for me. Tell me the name, John. You're leaving me dangling. It will be after the music. Ah, yes, the famous phrase, you're leaving me dangling. (laughs) (laughs) The book is called... Untangle My Dangle. (laughs) (laughs) The Sherry Peterson story. (laughs) Colon. (laughs) A story of triumph. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the book is called The Last Time I Lied. It's by an author named Riley Sager. And I must have bought this book because I had read one of the other books by this author entitled Final Girls. 
So again, I don't know. I think it was the Little Free Library. I think I remember in Cape Charles, you were like, hey, this is the author of another book I liked. No? That was a different book I read. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, this one I think I actually bought at the bookstore in Cape Charles at some point. Oh, yeah. There's a little local bookstore there. We like to buy books from Yeah, them. that's my best guess about okay. how this ended up in my possession. Makes sense. But it was very good. It is one of our dark murder, creepy books that we always talk about. And the basic plot is about a woman who goes back to the camp she attended as a 13-year-old, where during her first summer, I guess her only summer going there, all of the other girls in her cabin disappeared in the middle of the night. Oh, this sounds just like Final Girls. It sounds like every book we read. (laughs) It really does. Well, you'll like it. I saved it so Sherry can read it because she's also a painter. And so there's like an art element to this as well, where like part of the way she deals with the demons of this event, because she doesn't tell you, but she feels somehow involved in their disappearance. It's a little bit of little fires everywhere, if you guys haven't seen or read that. I picture her as a better artist than I saw (laughs) Carrie Washington be a photographer. Me and my friends were on a Marco Polo chat. You guys know I love that app, Marco Polo. And we had a lengthy discussion about how cliched (laughs) the artist is. In Carrie Washington's character is. It's like she makes like a paper mache village in like an hour that would have been like a thesis project and it would have taken us like 10 months. And she like double exposes things in her dark room. Like it was very like, I'm an artist. I'm no art critic, so I shouldn't speak. But this woman in the book, she will paint the three girls that disappeared and then she will paint over them. So she hides them in all of her paintings. Mm. So anyway, she goes back to the camp and then some more weird things start to happen and it kind of like jumps back between the narrative of present day and then the summer that the girls disappeared and so you slowly get to the end and like yeah it is a little bit cliche along the way and you can kind of feel where it's going but I just finished it two nights ago and I was impressed with the ending because it had like three or four twists as it went where you thought you were about to find out who the person was and then it wasn't and and I actually was fairly satisfied with the ending which you know doesn't always happen in a book like that yeah that sounds good can I read it next yes I will pack it up so you can read it in Florida Okay, I am also digging a book. Please see my previous chats about loving what I describe as my sexy fairy books. Yep, they're either murder horror books or sexy fairy books. I did also dabble in financial books and I tried on a few romance, but I went back to sexy fairy. Sarah J. Mass is the author. She is my absolute favorite, my favorite series of all time. It will go down in history. Nothing will ever top it is her series called A Court of Thorns and Roses, the second book is the best. She also wrote a huge series called Throne of Glass. It's like eight or nine books. They're like average 800 pages each. I mean, I spent a full year going through the Throne of Glass series. It is so long and so huge. And we wait like her fan club. We're all friends with her on Instagram. Friends. Friends. We all follow her on Instagram. She doesn't know any of us. There we go. There it is. (laughs) And she revealed that she was working on a new series. I will say. I want to guess the name of this series. Not yet. Hold on. I've got to say this first. It's a new book of a, a big series she's starting. And it's a little bit even more adult than her last one. And it's called Chamber of Crystal. Okay, no. um, Try again. Tower of Prisms and Poppies. (laughs) No. Okay, then last shot, okay. City of Stalactites. It does have city in it. Oh, yes. (laughs) It is called Crescent City, House of Earth and Blood. This book is 800 pages long. I am only on about 400, so I'm about halfway through, but I feel like I can adequately describe it as a great book. I still put it under A Court of Thorns and Roses. That is my favorite series. But is it above the other series, The Throne of Glass Glass and Sharks? (laughs) 
I don't know. I thought you were going to say shards. She just rolls. She just rolls a dice and puts some words together. I put it akin to. I like okay. Throne of Glass. Some people listening will come at me and say Throne of Glass is better than A Court of Thorns and Roses. I think it's whichever one you read first you like most. So I read A Court of Thorns and Roses. I liked that it was only three books and a novella so far. There's more coming out on that, so I can't wait to get back to those characters. They are my favorite. But you don't have to have read one series to understand another. Like, they're different universes. So, like, if you just want to start with this new one, so you only want one book ahead of you instead of nine, you no, could? No, don't start with this one. Oh. Definitely. Definitely start with A Court of Thorns and Roses. My favorite. But just because it's the favorite. It's not you need to have read that. No, none of them hinge on each other. Although it's kind of like Buffy and Angel. There are like some crossover references sometimes. Okay. Things that you're like, oh, that's kind of similar to that character. Or like, oh, there's a reference in there that I'm supposed to catch because I'm like a true fan. Inside jokes. Yes. But let me just tell you the characters' names. So there's Bryce Quinlan. She is... A girl who you know from the beginning is going to have special powers because all the main female characters do. Oh, another thing about this author, I love it because the, there's really strong female characters. Like stronger than the males, as it should be. The male, his name is Hunt Athalar. He's an archangel who protects the city. So like you're kind of like, okay, am I going to like this? And this book, I will warn you, it takes you about 70 pages to get into it. It's like Harry Potter in that she makes up worlds and you have to understand the hierarchy and almost like Divergent and um, what's that other one where the kids fight each other? Hunger Games? Yes. It's like the Hunger Games where there's different sects and different groups of people and there's a hierarchy. So she sets that all up and you're, you're going to start reading this. And if, especially if you haven't read A Court of Thorns and Roses, you're going to be like, what the heck is this? But then around page 79, I think something happens and you're like, okay, I'm in. And now at page 400, I'm very invested in these characters. I can't wait to see what happens. There are lots of mysteries to be solved. And I am certain there is going to be a cliffhanger at the end of this because she's mean like that. And you get to the end of these books and you can't wait to read the next one. And guess what? The next one's not even out yet. I am just going to have to wait in real time like a real fan. But I still have 400 pages left. So I feel like it's not all over yet. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And I was serious. If any of you know Patty Carlson or another astrocartographer out there, it would be interesting to hear what they have to say. So I'm putting you all in the case to hopefully help us make this happen. Yes. And keep telling us what you do while you listen. Like Carly on Instagram, who listened to last week's episode about crying while selling your house while going on a walk to cry about selling her house. Oh, I know. But she said the walk and the podcast lifted her spirits. So keep your head up, Carly. It'll all be a good story someday, I hope. And over at younghouselove.com slash podcast in this week's show notes, I'll link up the books we were both digging, the two articles we discussed today, and some of those touch-free faucets if you're interested. And I'll link my beloved air purifier. We shall soon be reunited. Later. Bye. Testing. Guess who's back? Back again. Every Monday on her podcast. Oh, a rare John cameo. Dropping some amazing lyrics. (laughs) I had to pause. Slightly offbeat (laughs) and out of tune.